Hey, it is really good to be here today. Um, like, like Brian said a few weeks ago, I was supposed to preach, and uh, it was rough. I, I ended up losing my voice. I got wicked sick. I was sick for about two weeks, and uh, I kept thinking, man, I've, I've worked on this message. This is such an important message about, about choosing, uh, you know, about, about choosing, uh, choosing great, or bleh, 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 whatever I was supposed to be preaching on, um, you know. Yeah, choosing peace, not anxiety, right? And it was like, I was so excited about it, and, and, and I had so many good conversations, and so many people had built into that, that teaching, and um, man, I was, I was so dedicated, like, I, I wanted to preach it so bad, and I was so sick, and I'm thinking, you know what, maybe I'll feel good Sunday morning, All right? Maybe I'll be able to, like, at least have my voice back, I'll sneak in the back, I'll hide out behind the stage, I'll wear a mask, and I'll come popping out and, and preach, and then I'll go hide again, and it just wasn't to be. And I was so thankful that uh, um, we got a chance. I got to, you know, tag off on Ben. And, and literally 7 o'clock Saturday night, Ben Cantler, our student pastor, was given my, my teaching. He changed some things to make it fit him and his personality and, and his experience. And he just knocked it out of the park. So let's give it up for Ben Cantler. Oh, yeah, I'm so excited to be up here today. I'm excited to be able to be with you, doing life with you, sharing this moment with you, recognizing that today we get a chance to be challenged by the words of Jesus. We get a chance to let him speak to our, to our minds, change our minds, change our hearts, help us to live and love more like him. I want to walk out of here this morning looking more like Jesus. I hope you do too. Yeah, so also, you know, Ben did a great job filling in a few weeks ago when I was supposed to. But I'll tell you what, this Brian Hay guy, I have, uh, it's been my pleasure and it's been a treasure to sit under his teaching for the last couple of months. And I have appreciated, yeah, let's give it up for Brian. You know, what's interesting, though, since, uh, since the last time I preached is we've got a couple of new um, um, toys um, up here on the stage. I don't know if you guys have noticed that or not, but the stage is bigger now. And so, like, you really got lots of space and place to walk back and forth. And this could really, really, really drive whoever's running the cameras back there crazy if we walk, like, inch to inch, end to end. Um, I'm not going to do that. I got a lot of grace for those guys. They're great volunteers back there. Um, but also, we got this new, cool, like, laying on its side sort of TV right here. Uh, you guys might not know this, but uh, for almost 30 years before I was in ministry, I was part of the cable TV world. Um, and so I started doing cable TV in uh, 1982. And I would have never, never ever in my wildest imagination in 1982 thought that someday we would turn a TV on its side and then do really cool stuff with that. And so um, this is new to me. Uh, Brian, in all of his, you know, like awesomeness, he says, hey, Virgil, you're going to love teaching from this TV. Now, what some of you guys may not know is I'm from Missouri. Missouri is known as the show me state. So I'm like, Brian, show me, right? We'll see. We'll see how much I love teaching from this new TV this way. Uh, but we also have this cool little remote control, right? And so with this remote control, I understand that if you are being loud, I can point it at you and it will mute you. And if you're being excessively rowdy, I can point it at you, click it twice, and it will take you out of this room and send you someplace else. I don't know where. So let's not test it. All right. No, that's not true. What it really is, is means I get to control my own slides. So um, if I mess them up, it's on me. It's not on our amazing volunteers back um, in the tech area. All right. So, um, yeah, uh, I encourage you guys... Uh, 
as, we, as we've come together uh, today, uh, that you recognize that this is a place where God has called you and placed you and positioned you this morning. I don't think it's any accident that you are here this morning. I'm, I'm really thankful uh, to be here with you. So um, before I go any further, uh, I just want to take a moment and say, listen, I'm giving some shouts out to some different people here this morning because this is what it's all about. It's about all of us coming together, using our various gifts, using the things that God has given us, using the talents that he's blessed us with, um, using, us with this, using the skills that he's given us, using the obedience that we all have, the opportunity to exhibit, to make it all come together and to make it all work and to give the Holy Spirit a place and a space where he can enter into our hearts and into our heads where he's able to change our minds. He's able to change the way we view things and he's able to change our lives. So I'm thankful for all of you. I'm thankful for all the team that helps make this all possible every single week. Well, let's go ahead and open up with a word of prayer. So Lord Jesus, we thank you so much uh, that you take a bunch of imperfect people as we chase after you, a perfect God, that you use our imperfect messes and you use them to advance your kingdom. We're humbled, we're honored, we're amazed that you would use us and we're thankful when we get to see you at work, uh, not just in this place here we call Fort Christian, but when we see you at work in the lives of believers all across the greater Baltimore area and all across the world. So we invite you, Jesus, uh, make us, shape us, change us, whatever that looks like this morning. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, so over the past few weeks, like it's already been mentioned a couple times this morning, Brian has been leading us in our Red Letters series. It's our, it's our current, current series right now, and over the past few weeks, um, uh, Brian has been talking about these things that are, are Jesus characteristics and Jesus qualities that we can emulate. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, Red Letters, I don't necessarily get that. I mean, depending on your church history, depending on the particular Bible that you own, right, you might be looking at my Bible, your Bible and say, well, it's white pages, black letters. What's this red letters all about? He simply put red letters that we find in the New Testament are the words of Jesus. Not the words about Jesus, but these are the words that Jesus spoke, the words that Jesus said. They're marked in red by some of the people that put our Bibles together as if to say, hey, can I get your attention for a moment, please? These are the words of Jesus. It's Jesus talking here. And as we read the red letters of Jesus, as we zoom in on those red letters of Jesus, we are able to see things about Jesus. We're able to see his plans. We're able to see his purposes. We're able to see his priorities. But for me personally, when I look at the red letters of Jesus, I see his character. I see those qualities about them. And I realize that as we learn how to follow after him, that if we will become more like him in those red letters, that we will learn how to love him better. We'll learn how to love others better. And we will be used by him more effectively in drawing people into a relationship with him. So over the past few weeks, we've been looking at these red letters of Jesus. We recognize that Jesus is approachable that Jesus is invitational, that Jesus is intentional, that he is interruptible. And we recognize, as Brian talked about last week, our need and God's desire for us, as demonstrated by Jesus Christ, is for us to be relational. For us to be relational. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, as I've looked at those traits and those characteristics, I've been challenged, I've been convicted 
right? As a result, I am choosing to live differently. I am choosing to love differently. And I hope that it is the same for you. I hope that as you've been looking at these red letter uh, characteristics of Jesus, that you have been looking at people with a different set of eyes. That you have been loving people with a different heart. I have. I hope you have too. So as we wrap up our series today, as we wrap up this Red Letters series, I want you to know that this, this, this one we're going to talk about today, these red letters, they don't come naturally to me. They don't always feel normal to me, right? Goes against who I am by my very nature. But I know that if I want to live a life that looks like Jesus, I know that if I want to live a life that loves like Jesus, if I am to reflect his image, then I know that these red letters we're going to talk about for me today, that they are absolutely essential for me. And I believe that if you want to look like and love like Jesus, they are essential for you as well. So today's red letters of Jesus, this quality that he possesses, this quality that he demonstrates for us throughout the scripture over and over for you and me, this quality that he's calling all of us, if we're followers of his, for you and I to live out each and every day in Jesus' life and in his ministry, Jesus lived a life that could be characterized as merciful, merciful. Right? If you are a follower of his, then this, his words, his example, the call of Jesus on your life, it, it comes with the necessity, it comes with the responsibility that you and I are to be merciful. You know, when we think about mercy, probably a lot of things come to mind, right? Maybe, a, maybe it's the name of a school that you're familiar with. Maybe it's the name of a hospital. Like, it seems like every big city has a hospital or a hospital system that's called Mercy, right? Mercy Medical Center. My pop into your mind. Rightly so. So when I look at the definition of mercy, it says it is the outward manifestation of pity. It assumes need on the part of him who receives it and resources adequate to meet the need on the part of him who shows it. And what a perfect picture of a hospital, right? Think about it. They're perfect examples of that. A hospital, people come with a need and the hospital should be sufficient to meet that need. It's mercy. Another definition for mercy, and I really like this one, is compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or to harm. Now, if you thought school or hospital, when we first talked about this word mercy, I applaud you. In fact, I think you're much more mature than I am. Here's why. Because the first thing I think of when I think of the word mercy is a game that I played as a kid where it's when you have a friend or, and you would lock fingers with them and you would try to bend their fingers back. Or if you're really sweet and cool, you like flip it upside down and you would force their fingers backwards and they're trying to do this thing until they cried out mercy. Did anybody else play that game? Good. I'm glad I'm not the only mean, like, immature guy up here, right? But that's what we do. We play mercy, right? So these mercy, the person would have to cry out mercy. And the person who was winning, because we had compassion, right? Because we didn't want to punish or harm somebody else, we would stop. We would show them mercy. That's mercy. 
When we look at the New Testament part of our Bibles, we recognize that uh, there is this uh, opportunity for us to see mercy played out over and over and over again. In the scripture, we see that mercy is carried out from man to man, right? And I'll stop there for a second because some of you in the room might not yet be believers. Some of you watching online, you might not be Christians yet. But I want you to understand, mercy is a good thing for all of us. This idea of mercy being played out or carried out from man to man, it works for everybody. In fact, this world would be so much better a place if all of us displayed, exhibited, lived out this idea of mercy. But I also want to remind you this morning that mercy is carried out from God to man. And we're going to talk about that here in a little while. But while we're processing that, I want you to think about this. This is the big question for today. What is it that stands in the way of you showing mercy? What stands in the way of you showing mercy? Right? We've all got different answers. We've all got things that we could shout out loud and, and, and share together, but we're not going to this morning. Think about those. Process those. But while you're doing that, let me share some observations that I've made about mercy. All right, these are for all of us. First of all, sometimes we look for ways to not show mercy, right? We look for ways to not show mercy. I wonder, is that you? Is that you this morning? Isn't it easier sometimes? In fact, isn't it more satisfying sometimes to, well, for the moment at least, right? To be critical, to be impatient, to be unforgiving, to be un caring. Sometimes we think it's someone else's job to show mercy. Oh, it's God's job, obviously. It's Brian Hay, and he's the lead pastor. It's his job, right? In fact, it's all the pastor's job. It's the teacher's job. It's the doctor's job. It is somebody else's job to show mercy. And sometimes we think that others deserve to not be shown mercy. We think that others deserve to not be shown mercy. That somehow it's okay that we withhold our mercy from them. Those people that have offended you, right? Those people who've sinned against you, they've annoyed you, they've interrupted you, they've inconvenienced you. Before I get into today's Red Letters of Jesus, I want to share a true story with you. It's not a story I'm necessarily uh, proud of, but it's one that I think is important. As I said earlier, I had almost 30-year career in the cable TV industry, and during that time, I was part of a church, and I volunteered mostly in student ministry, middle school and high school, and and did some college-age stuff there. But I remember there was this one student, her name was Lauren, um, and I'll give you a picture. She sent this picture of me this week while she was working, or supposed to be working, Um, you know, I mean... Everybody gets a break, right? But anyway, so Lauren was a self-described marching band uh, geek, uh, and and that's who she thought she was. And she grew up in a situation where she wasn't really encouraged very much in her walk with Jesus, and she found the something that was missing in her life while she was a part of our youth group. But see, part of the way through Lauren's uh, high school career, Barb, my wife, and I, we determined that we needed a college ministry at our church, so we started one up, and so I stopped doing stuff with the high schoolers and lost track and lost connection with some of those students, and well, Lauren was one of them, and 
It wasn't until later, um, probably a couple of years later, that we reconnected, and um, I was doing some, some troubleshooting. She had a problem with her cable, and I was trying to help get it fixed. I wish I could say that the reconnection that I had with Lauren at that time was good, and it was fantastic, and it was a great story, and I'd be excited to share it with you. But we had a conversation, and it was over, and it wasn't one of my finer moments, and I found that out four years later when she sent me a Facebook message. She's telling me a little different story, and it goes like this. She says, hey, Virgil, long time, no talk. Don't even know what to say, how to proceed. I think this is best. Some of my best memories from church were from you. I get excited to see you, and every time I had a question, I could talk to you. That sounds good. It's a good way to start it off, right? Remember when we were on that youth trip and we were sitting by the fountain, I told you I couldn't explain it, but every time I came to church or hung around with my Christian friends that my heart felt truly at home. I said, sitting here, hearing the water and the fountain, I was reading my Bible, it made me want to cry because I felt so at home. It was so beautiful. She reminded me that I gave her a verse that explained to her exactly what she was thinking and feeling. It was from the Psalms. And she says, I was so excited to have that verse. I felt like God wrote it just for me. It was so powerful. You were my hero. I wanted to follow you everywhere. Man, I wish that message would have stopped right there. But it kind of takes a turn and headed the wrong direction. She goes on to say, it seemed like the year I met my future husband, my world flipped. Started getting out on my own, dropped out of high school, got into smoking pot, sex, drinking. I finally felt cool instead of being that marching band geek that everyone made fun of, the dork who never quite fit in anywhere. The guy who was my boyfriend at the time and his group, they partied every night. They didn't care. It was easier to give in. My, far- my parents got fed up. They kicked me out, believing I'd come crawling back, but I got three jobs and I got an apartment. He says, now, this was a few years since seeing you. I needed, my, I needed help with my cable, and when I called in, I got you. At this time, I found out that I was pregnant, and I was excited. I was dealing with a rough time, through, though, with my faith, and when I called you for cable, I felt like God was working. He was working for me again, and my faith was renewed. She reminded me, she says, you are my Virgil, the one who always seemed to understand me. But then, and there's always a but, But then, when I told you I was pregnant and that I wasn't married, I heard your voice drop. I could tell at the moment that you were so disappointed in me. I felt dirty and not worthy of God's love because of the disapproval in your voice. I thought if Virgil couldn't accept me and my baby, how could God? When I got off the phone, I was devastated, she writes. My faith was shattered. I didn't think I could ever forgive you or myself. I felt so shunned. There's more to this story, but we're going to press pause on it. Just think on that one. Maybe you have never let a person down who totally looked up to you. Maybe you've never had the God-given opportunity to speak love and mercy into a person who desperately needed it. 
Maybe you have never created chaos in somebody's world and in somebody's faith because in the moment you either chose to willingly or unwillingly did not show mercy. I hope not, but you might. Second big question of the day is who needs your mercy? Who is your Lauren on the other end of the phone? There's a story that Jesus told that Luke records for us. It's Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 25. And if you want to look that up, you're welcome to. But let me just say, before you do, you might get there like, whoa, this is pretty familiar to me. I've heard this preached from this stage before. I might have even heard you say it before, Virgil. I told Barb, my wife, which passage I was going to be leaning into this morning, and uh, she kind of gave me that look, right? And I kind of sensed her reluctance, and I'm like, look, in all seriousness, we can preach this a hundred times, but until we start living it, until I start living it, every day, all the time, then we need to keep hearing that message again and again, and I will never stop preaching it until I can live it, until y'all can live it. See, the truth is, the red letters that I'm going to share with you today, I had probably read over dozens of times before I ever took that moment and denied mercy to my friend Lauren. So here we go, Luke chapter 10. One day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, What does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him. Do this and you'll live. The man would have been in good shape if he'd have stopped right there. But he said, Hey, so the man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And this is what we need to hear. Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, they beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan. And I'm going to pause there for a second, just in case you forgot. The Samaritans were the people that the Jews loved to hate. Samaritans and Jews felt the same way about each other. They had nothing to do with each other, didn't want to have any conversations with each other. In fact, they would do whatever it took to not even be in the same area. They would walk around each other. They would walk around the sections of land that they occupied so they could not, would not be together. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins telling him, Take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time that I'm here. Now which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Jesus asked. Man, what a pointed question. 
What a soul-searching, head-searching, heart-searching question to be asked. And the man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Now, I wasn't there, and neither were you. But I do get to talk for a living once in a while. I get to spend time with people, having conversations with them. And I can just imagine this scene where this is like one of those What's going to happen next moment? What's going to be said next? And I bet Jesus just hung on the silence. I mean, the silence was probably dripping and like, what's going to happen? What's he going to say? And Jesus looks at this guy. And I just looked at this religious leader right in the eye and says, hey, yes, now go and do the same. Now go and do the same. Now go and do the same. Right? Listen, we live in a climate where it's easy to not show mercy. We live in a climate where we think it's somebody else's job to do mercy. We live in a climate where we think that it's okay, that we think that there are others who simply don't deserve our mercy. But we need to ask ourselves again, the big question is, what is it that stands in the way of you showing mercy and who needs your mercy? Feel free to personalize that. What stands in my way of showing mercy? Who needs mercy? My mercy. When we think about it, big picture, right? Who are the people we, we, we think might maybe need the most mercy? Who is it we disagree with most, right? We disagree with those people who are politically different than us, socially different than us, morally different than us, right? Those folks that vote different, look different, even sin different. Are they in need of mercy? What about those people who talk too much? right, who make it all about me, those people who whine and criticize, there's annoying people, those people whose problems are always bigger than yours or at least more important than yours, the person who always needs someone, the per- something, the person who always wants to monopolize, are they in need of mercy, right? Who is it in your life that just does not need from you another exasperated sigh, <sighs> Or the eye roll, whether you do it in front of them or behind their back, right? Who is it in your life whose calls you keep letting go straight to voicemail? Whose texts and emails you're just like, I just don't even want to reply to that one. Are they in need of mercy? See, merciful is who God wants us to be to others. Merciful is who God wants to be to us. Mercy is God, what God wants to show us, but mercy is also what God wants us to provide for others. And it's certainly what he wants to provide for us. Remember, mercy is carried out from man to man, but mercy is also carried out from God to man. The Apostle Paul wrote multiple times about this. He says... It's the right one. He says, um, he's writing to the church at Ephesus. There we go. My fault. All right, right to the church of Ephesus. And he's saying to this, is, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He says, he, talking about Satan, is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. 
By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. And it is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. That's such powerful teaching, reminding us about the mercy that God has poured out on us. But that's not all. Paul is writing to his friend Titus. He called Titus my son in the faith. So in Titus chapter 3, he says, Once we too were foolish and disobedient. We were misled and became slaves to the many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy, and we hated each other. He says, but, but, and there's always a good but, but when God, our Savior, revealed his kindness and his love, he saved us, not because of the righteous things that we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. And because of his grace, he made us right in his sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. You see, God wants to show us, but he doesn't want to just show us. God wants to do more than just show us his mercy. He wants to pour out his mercy on us. And maybe this morning for the first time, you realize I need to accept the mercy that he has for me. Maybe it's the time where you recognize that no matter where you have been, no matter what you have done, no matter how far you have wandered, that you have never gone too far for him to reach you with his mercy. Maybe this morning it's your time to say, you know what, I am separated from God because of my sins and I need to repent of them. I need to do a U-turn. Right? Maybe this morning you need to accept the, by faith, accept the forgiveness that Jesus has for you, the faith Faith in what Jesus did for you when he died willingly for you, took your penalty and punishment on the cross. Maybe today is the day that you need to surrender your whole life to him. Maybe it's the day you need to get baptized into him. Maybe it's the day where you need to begin to live a life of the red letters for him. We're going to have a, a time during our, during our communion, and Brian's going to come up front, and as soon as I'm done talking about communion, I'm going to be down front too. And Listen, if you are ready to surrender that, your life to Jesus Christ, we would love to have that conversation with you. We'd love to pray with you and talk through that with you, right? It's intentional. And speaking of intentional, man, Jesus lived a life that was intentional, a life that was full of decisions, life that was so intentional it caused people to travel for miles to see him, gather in thousands and thousands of people in crowds just to hear him, just to be near him, just to experience his love, just to experience his mercy. That's who Jesus was. That's his red letters. So let me go back to that story about Lauren. Man, when I got that message from her, I replied immediately and I poured out my heart to her and told her how sorry I was for the hurt that I had caused, for the pain that I had inflicted on her. She told me, in fact, she told me, she says, I've read that, that, that message back like a million times. She had already forgiven me and she had learned to forgive herself. Lauren and I, we still stay in touch, not as frequently as we like, but here's the deal. Lauren knows that she's loved. 
And Lauren knows that she is never outside of God's mercy. She knows she's never outside of Virgil's mercy either. She clung desperately to mercy when it was offered. And I hope you will too. Friends, if you've never accepted the mercy that Jesus wants to pour out on you, do not leave out of here today without receiving that. And if you're already following after Jesus, if you're already chasing after him, if you're already experiencing his mercy, remember there is a world outside these doors that is lost and in need of his mercy. It's in need of his love. There is a savior that we know, that we've experienced, who is waiting to reach into their world so that they can too experience his mercy. But friends, I want you to know that there are people that will never accept the mercy of Jesus Christ. They will never accept the red letter merciful Jesus until they see the red letter merciful being played out in our actions and our attitudes and our words. It's got to come from you and me for them to see it sometimes in him. So let's leave this place today and choose mercy. Red letter, merciful. Let's be like Jesus. Let's pray. So Jesus, we thank you so much um, for your willingness to meet us in our messes, to love us in our brokenness, um, to take us in our imperfection. Nothing that we could do, earn, or deserve to, to, to experience your love, to experience your mercy. Yet you just pour it out on us and you pour it out to us if we will just choose it. So help us to want that today, to choose that today. It's in your name we pray. Amen.